Ed, I'm dying. I don't know what's going on. Everybody, this is Dr. Chad Hawk, and I am with Matt Dowd, and we are Renegade Atlas, charting a new path for your life. This is episode two of Created to Be Healthy, our series we're doing on Created to Be Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. Right, Matt? Yeah. And the last one, if you haven't listened to it yet, is a great intro, so I definitely recommend and bouncing back and make sure you catch episode one. But uh, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, today we have uh, a testimonial day. Okay. I get to share uh, a bit of my story, and it is the created to be healthy perspective from somebody who has had some major health challenges. Mm. And I'm going to allow myself to be that guinea pig to go through yeah. this process. And uh, I think the, the way to kind of jump right into it, Matt, is to say that um, up until December 18th, 2018 hmm. um i had i was guaranteed to die from a disease that i contracted in 2007 right and things have changed a lot yeah since then obviously yes, I, I there's a spoiler alert we have to give i'm, I'm still alive <laughs> yeah. so we should yeah. say that over yeah so it's, uh, <laughs> it's like the way you said that. Just, it's like, well, yeah, it's so fantastic. Well, we're going to hear the story here. Yeah. So, yeah. so I guess I should just get started in saying that um, I've been doing, I did chiropractic missions work across the world beginning in 2004, where my good friend Mark Howater and I went to Guatemala and we served a bunch of people there. And then um, I, I don't want to go too much into all the nuts and bolts of the missions work, but that gave birth to me going to Africa. And that's really where God wanted me. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%, no doubt about it, God called me to go to specifically Ghana, but I also did serve in a few other countries. But that's where he wanted me. And interestingly enough, on my very first trip, 2007, in o- late October 2007, I contracted the most deadly form of malaria. It's a variant on the falciparum type of malaria. There's three primary types. And the type I had was thought to have been 100% fatal to Caucasians. Hmm. And oh, interesting. Um, the thing was, they didn't even know, I didn't know I had malaria. So the, the life cycle of it, normally within 21 days is when you get your first symptom. Um, normally before that. And then you come down with malaria symptoms and you go through that process. Um, I had been home from, I got home, I think it was October 30th. And I didn't have my first symptom until the Wednesday before Christmas that year. Hmm. So none of that makes sense. Yeah, like a month and a half, basically. Yeah, that, the, yeah. it shouldn't happen that way. I should have had malaria much sooner. Hmm. And here's how it played out. I was in my office, uh, it was nine o'clock in the morning, it was a Wednesday, and my right shoulder started to feel really odd, like Hmm. an ache that comes from the bone, like deep inside your shoulder area that you can't put a finger on. There was no, and I went up to one of my associates at the time, Peter, Peter Strauss, and I said, hey Peter, can you check my shoulder real quick? 
and you know patients are there i just felt off like something was wrong yeah and he checks he goes yeah there's something not right but i don't know what it is at 9 30 that day i told my office manager tara and i told peter i am leaving something is really wrong with me i don't know what it is and that began a a Hmm. huge process i didn't go back into my office for a very very long time Hmm. and um, thankfully had an amazing staff that kept the practice going and everybody did great. Um, but I was completely incapacitated. Uh, as I said, that was on a Wednesday by, uh, Friday, I was beginning to get fevers. No one knew what was wrong. Again, no one had a clue. I had several friends who were a highly experienced medical doctors. One was in his 70s, so he is a surgeon for many, many, many years. Uh, the other, Ed Rose, that was Charlie Gross. The other was Ed Rose. Uh, he was a, a lung specialist. And I mean, the, these guys were at the top of their game. They were instructors at the University of Virginia, just brilliant men. And hmm. I called them, talked to them. They didn't know what was going on. I remember I made it to church that Sunday. And I was sitting there and I felt like every part of my body had been punched in the gut and I had no strength or energy. And I was hot. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Like feverish. Feverish, uh-huh. you know, and I couldn't stand up. I couldn't do anything and went home. And that was the last time I went out for quite a while, except to go to the hospital. So, uh, Christmas comes that year on Wednesday and, uh, I, God gave me a break. That day, hmm. I felt pretty normal. I'll never forget. We went over to uh, a friend's house, uh, Rob and Sandy Archer. We went over to their house. Some other friends were over there. We had a great Christmas. And as soon as I got home, I crashed so hard. It was the absolute, one of the worst nights of my life. Hmm. Um, I See, I was spiking fevers that would go up to 109. Whoa. 109. It was insane what I was going through. I would have convulsions. I would have these seizures. It was beyond belief. Horrible bad. I didn't bad. know you could do 109 and not You're not supposed you. to. <laughs> You're not supposed to. I'll just say that. But I went through that, and all of these things were coming against me, and I was at a loss of what was going on. No one could figure it out. And uh, the day after Christmas, I remember that night, um, when these convulsions would come on, it felt like I was leaving my body. Hmm. And I remember trying so hard to focus on my wife, Kate, and holding her hand and thinking, just keep my eyes open because I felt like if I allowed myself to pass out, that was going to be the end of it. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I couldn't keep my eyes from rolling back in my head. I remember physically straining to keep my eyes straight, and they just wouldn't and wow. then I was gone wow. I mean I was gone um, at the same time of all this I started to lose the use of my right arm my whole right arm just became like this appendage on me hmm. couldn't use it couldn't do anything with it and the next day December 26th um, I called Ed Rose and said Ed, I'm dying. I don't know what's going on. He says, I'm in the hospital today. There's no one here. It's the day after Christmas. Right. Let's get you here 
and we'll just start doing every possible workup we can because we've got the time. Right. <laughs> and uh, huh. I don't know how this, I don't remember any of this, but apparently I I just left. I went downstairs, grabbed the keys from my car. I didn't tell anybody I was leaving. Oh, by And yourself. I drove myself. And the thing is, I don't <laughs> okay. remember any of this. I was completely yeah. delirious. Wow. I don't even know where his office is today. I certainly didn't know. I don't know how I got to where he was. Really? So anyway, wow. okay. I'm at the hospital and um, I'll never forget. <laughs> I'm in his office and he goes, you know, we need to take some blood. And he's drawing the blood. He did it because there were no, he didn't have any nurses yeah. around him. And, and so he's drawing, the blo- yeah. <laughs> he, he's drawing the blood. And as soon as he pulls the needle out from the elbow, it begins to bleed out under my skin. And I had this, I, I started my whole oh. arm all the way down into my hand, up into the middle of my bicep became black and blue from the blood because I had scary. no clotting factor. The wow. type of malaria I had inhibited my clotting factor, and I was basically bleeding out inside my arm. And he's looking down, going, "Oh no, this is not really bad. bad. <laughs> this is." And it wasn't that he gave a bad stick; no. it's my body could not stop the bleeding. Sure. So anyway, they they called, uh, they sent those results down, and I'll never forget when he got a phone call. He was in the room with me. He got a phone call uh, from the lab tech who was running the lab. He goes. I have to get my supervisor. I've never seen this, and I don't know what it is. Hmm. So they had to call a supervisor who's off on vacation, okay, to come in. And yeah, sure enough, it was falciparum. And of course, no one in Virginia has seen this before. So anyway, I get admitted. They didn't know where to put me. They didn't know what ward to put me in. So initially, they put me in the, I believe it was the transplant ward. Okay. (laughs) And then they moved me to the cancer ward. And then they moved me to hospital. They, I got moved around to all these different places. It was very bizarre. No one, yeah. no one knew what to do with me. <laughs> and uh, I would continue to have these incredible fevers and convulsions. And, and the med students, I remember those who didn't go home for their Christmas, they were there. And they just wanted to come see they the guy who was dying you. from malaria. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. And I would scream at him, like, get out, you know? Because I, I only wanted three people. I wanted Dick Pearson, who was head of tropical med at UVA, yeah. Ed Rose, and then Charlie Gross. Those were the only three I'd let in. Yeah, and uh, it turned into wow. quite the ordeal. My liver was being eaten alive, huh? Um, by the malaria. And uh, if you know anything about liver enzymes, um, you should have certain range. Well, I was like ten times the range on the enzymes. They were just way ALT, AST were off the charts. It was terrible. Hmm. Somehow, some way, I survived that. I still was not well, but I didn't die. So then they didn't know what to do with me. They didn't have any treatment for me. I got sent home. Okay. So now I'm at home, still not able to work, not able to do anything. um, But I'm getting a little bit of strength back. And at night, um, it was so bad because I would still get some reoccurring fevers. And I remember uh, middle of the night, I was asleep. And all of a sudden, I get woken up. And it was God's voice telling me. It was like an audible voice saying, hmm. you're healed now. And it was a very gentle but direct, very matter-of-fact, but not con- not accusatory or condemning or anything. It's just, you're healed now. And I thought, what just <laughs> happened? Okay. And I, I kind of, I'm just laying there. I'm like, wonder if Kate heard that. Yeah, right, right. And all of a sudden, I was able to move my right arm. 
Okay. What? I haven't been able to use my arm. Yeah. And so I'm laying there for about five minutes and I'm just moving my arm going, this is crazy. I can move and I'm feeling it and it feels normal. It, it had atrophied. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was just like a stick hanging off my body. Yeah. And so what I do is I kind of get out, slide down the side of the bed and get on the floor and I start doing pushups. <laughs> because I was like, I'm like, I want to see this, try this, take, kick the tires on this baby, see if it works, right? <laughs> totally. And then wow. I, I was like, this is amazing. I have to see it. So hmm. I then crawl through the bedroom, through the bathroom, into the, the, um, the closet and I turn the light on, close the door and turn the light on. I look at my arm and it's normal. Not bruised, not it's atrophy. It's normal. Not, it's just uh, like it is today. Yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I just sat there and I had to, I sat there for two and a half hours. And I cried and mm-hmm. I praised God and I, I prayed. And then I was like, I just got to wake Kate up now because it's about five in the morning like now. This, yeah, yeah. And so I go in the other room and I wake her. I was like, Kate, Kate, she wakes up instantly terrified because yeah. every time I woke her up, there was a major Something crisis. Bad. She goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, no, my arm, my arm. I can use my arm again. It's normal. Hmm. And so it turned into, and of course, typical guy, I didn't just stop and relax. What do I do? I get up, get dressed, go I go to work. work. <laughs> okay. Totally. It's so funny because I go Brilliant. into my office <laughs> and, uh, I get there early, like six, and I've got mountains of stuff I've never taken care of in a long, long time now. And I'm just right. starting to just achieve and get stuff done. And my associate shows up, goes straight to his office, and he didn't even look towards my office, right? Because yeah. why would Hadn't I be there? there for, yeah. And then he sees me. He's like, what are you doing here? And Peter's a Jewish guy, okay? He comes yeah. walking in, and he looks down at my arm, and he's been taking care of me this whole time, coming to see me. He's like, what happened to your arm? I'm like, I got healed. He's like, this doesn't compute. <laughs> right. So, no kidding. Um, I I then um, every my liver enzymes became came back much 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 better almost in an instant, and I became I I, I just I've worked since then as a chiropractor. Um, in fact, what year uh, was this again? This was early 2008. Yeah, eight. Okay. Yeah. So 2007 is when I went. 2008 is when I'm back in practice, and then um, later in 2008, I'm back in Africa. Wow. I'm leading groups there, you know, because God has put that so clearly on my heart. Yeah. And I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. And I've had I had two um, major setbacks with the malaria over the years, um, where I had hmm. remissions. Um, they kicked my butt pretty hard, but I bounced back. Um, I was only down for about three days with each one. Okay. Um, because you're never supposed to heal from it. Yeah. Yeah. It stays with you forever. Yeah. Somehow. And um, <laughs> I I had to do samples, blood samples every time I left the country to make sure that I was okay to go and all this stuff. And yeah, there would be the markers that I had malaria, but it wasn't like an active. Well, uh, 2018, before my August trip, things came back pretty poor. Mm. Um, in fact, it showed that my liver was no longer working well at all. And the malaria was fully about to go berserk in me. Mm-hmm. And I had been feeling pretty run down and tired during this time. Um, so it wasn't a big surprise that something was going on. But after a bunch of subsequent studies and tests, um, it was determined that my liver was dead and genetically speaking i have a very different liver than most so i wasn't a candidate for a liver transplant and uh i was given up to a year to live yeah most likely six months 
and this is August 2018. Isn't that right before I met? We met. Yeah. Yeah, I think I came in the first time in September or October. Right. That year. Right. Yeah. And um, I had complete faith that I would be able to keep doing whatever I needed to do, even though everybody told me it wasn't going to work. And when you saw like an MRI or a PET scan of my liver, it looked like somebody had taken your liver out and held it up, tied it to a tree, and then shot it with a shotgun a thousand times. It looked like Swiss cheese. It was just destroyed, full of cirrhosis, (laughs) you know, infected with malaria. It was just disgusting nasty yeah yeah and like the biopsies and everything were just horrible what they would come back with so um here i am sitting in my office in december and we're looking at like stem cell regrowth of liver and all this crazy you know cutting edge stuff it's just like i can live and as we're i'm sitting here on a friday after i just got done adjusting patients i was doing notes and i felt a clunk in my side okay. that your body should not make a clunk if you're aware of that <laughs> right. or not, especially from your organ area. Right. And about 30 seconds after that, I got a fever, like just overwhelmed me. And I laid down right here on the floor behind me and I just yeah. started pouring sweat. I couldn't move. I was, my clothes were soaked with the sweat and I was leaving, like I stained the, the carpet with sweat. Yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. went on for 10 minutes and then it broke just as fast as it started. And I, after it broke, all of a sudden I felt, this is going to sound strange, Matt, but I felt, I felt clean. Hmm. I felt like new. Yeah. Even though my clothes were soaked and I waited here about an hour just for my clothes to dry out so I could leave, but I felt new. <coughs> and I remember I ordered my own MRI. Mm. Um, I got onto the portal and ordered my own MRI just because I felt like something was better. And Kate and I talked. I said, I think I'm healed. I think something is way different and I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. Well, I went and had an MRI that Monday during my lunch. And sure enough, my liver looks like a brand new baby's liver. Yeah. It's totally yeah. 100% healed. <laughs> I had biopsies later that week just to double check everything. Yeah. Genetic assays, everything has come out perfect. I no longer have any evidence that I ever had malaria. Really? No markers present. The, the blood marker, yeah. Everything is, it's like it never happened. That is unbelievable. That's, cr- that's crazy. <laughs> so when it's... patients come in and yeah. they say, my back hurts, uh-huh. you better believe I think they can heal. Yeah. Right. You better believe that I think that you can heal and recover and renew and restore. Your body can be made whole again. Mm -hmm. Because I've lived it myself. Well, yeah. And so, okay. So do you feel like this was, I mean, where, where do you connect the physical and spiritual aspect? I mean, was this like a miraculous spiritual healing? Like, just that's all that it was or was it like an accelerated you know your body doing something that it is capable of doing just in a dramatic and accelerated fashion or does that make or was it some combination of those two things like what do you feel like was going on there physiologically speaking it's impossible to have happen what happened okay 
Okay. Mm-hmm. My guidance textbook of medical physiology would say that's absolutely impossible. Cannot happen. It okay. cannot happen. Okay. Um, in, the, in that amount of time or just at all? Like, because we, we know malaria is not supposed to be curable or, you know. Well, that, that, there, I guess there's different components. Sure, One yeah. thing I didn't tell you in my story is the malaria had also eaten away at part of my central nervous system, specifically uh, the, the junction where the, the neck ends and the ribs begin. That's called the cervical thoracic junction. Okay. That's why I'd lost the use of my right arm. Ah. And it's, there's actually like a big divot that was present. It was eating away at my central nervous system. Huh. This is back in 2007, eight. Okay. And that healed. And that should not heal. Your nerves do not grow back like that. Right. Right. That was a God moment. Yeah. And I think this other one was a blended moment where he allowed my body to knit itself. You know, just as he knit me in together in my mother's womb, mm. he re-knit me together mm. in a in an instant, in a moment that goes beyond time and space. Right. Yeah. I just feel like this area is so foreign to a lot of us, you know, yeah. and in the Western world, in the evangelical Christian world, you know, it's not real commonplace to talk about this or to experience it really, you know, I know in your travels, you've experienced it a lot more in other parts of the world, yep. but it's just, I can seem like, I don't know even how to describe it. It just seems it's foreign and it, it's, it can feel weird <laughs> you know and, and it's definitely can fall outside the range of our if you want if you will like our comfort zone of faith like what we believe is possible right. or is even real like that's not even real even though we hear stories and it's like well maybe it's just not real for me somebody might say yeah i don't know how do you how do we i don't know how's that work for you to reconcile it you know um or like I don't even exactly know what I'm trying to ask, but how can a person sort of wrap their head around this or is that even possible? You just have to experience it yourself. Well, maybe the the way to think of it is how radical, how impossible is it for a person who is separated from God to come back into God? Hmm. That to me is a greater miracle than anything physical. I think that physical healings happen, changes occur, because it serves a greater purpose than just the healing of the person. It points to and gives credence to the Lord. Um, Because it, it, it has to work for his glory. And every time I've seen miracles, and I'm, when I say miracle, I'm being, I want to be very clear on this. This does a miracle is something that, um, goes beyond physical science. It goes beyond anatomy, physiology, pathology. It goes beyond all of those things. And it shouldn't happen. It mm. it breaks human understanding the of rules, time and space. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It breaks the rules. And when every time I've seen it happen in a person, it's yes, it's a huge blessing for that person. But it has huge impact on those people who see it happen. Right. And their lives are also changed and different. Hmm. Now, I've seen 
things that are pretty awesome and cool. When I do an adjustment, somebody can't raise their arm and then all of a sudden I do an adjustment. I remember this one lady. Um, this was in actually 2007. I'll go back to my first trip to Ghana. Um, they, the older traditional women, they wore headdresses. Um, just something on their head to kind of protect their heads, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not like a hijab, nothing like that. It's it's kind of just a, yeah. I, anyway, it's something that goes on their head. And it was a, a thing of pride for a, a proper um, Ghanaian older woman who who's of more of wealth, okay? okay? And she couldn't even tie it on her head properly because she couldn't raise her arms anymore. And I do two adjustments and she can raise her arms and she's so happy she can do that. Yeah. That makes sense to me. She had compression yeah. of her nerve roots. Right. I adjusted her nerve compression left, up and, yeah. and all of a sudden she can move it. Right. That's not a miracle. Sure. She may feel like it it's is. It's some healing and it's stuff. It's healing yeah. and it's restoration and it's way better than it was. Yeah. But that should be expected from a chiropractor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's, what? Yeah. The distinction though yeah. is when God does something it defies time and space. It defies human nature or laws. And it transforms somebody per- permanently. It doesn't go back to the way it used to be. Uh, that lady, six today, let's say it's 12 years since then, and uh, 13 years, and maybe she moves her neck wrong, and all of a sudden she can't raise her arms back again. again. Yeah, 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 that sure. could happen. Yeah. Right. But if God had healed her, Mm. You know, that's mm. a whole different thing. Right. It's like super, there's a supernatural that's element. That's why it's called it. a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what I think is really interesting is that that cervical thoracic, isn't that your area of expertise? Yeah. <laughs> well, the cervical region is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So and what's, the, what's the significance of that to you, if any? The fact that you had that and, you, you know, and you had uh, healing in that area. Is there, have you ever thought really, about that Not really, because before? I've, I mean... I just think it's interesting. Even, even though my favorite area is C1 and C2, the atlas axis, I'm an upper uh, cervical chiropractor. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I adjust everything. Well, right. Yeah. Right. right. I, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But how do people figure, what What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean when you meet somebody who says they've had a miracle in their life? Do you mm-hmm. believe them? Or are you skeptical? And for me, I could care less if people believe me or not. Oh, right. Because. Yeah. I've lived through it, and I know thousands of people who watched me go through this yeah. who can't believe that I'm healthy today. I'm alive today. Well, yeah, you, you just being alive, obviously, is a miracle in and of yeah. itself. I was thinking of the story of the paralytic, you know, in the New Testament, whose friends bring him to Jesus. Carry him yeah, and lower him down. Yeah, and they lower him down. Now, Jesus says, your sins have been forgiven. And what if that guy, like, that could have been enough for that guy just to feel restored in, you know, spiritually and, you know, inside. Mm-hmm. And he could have left that place feeling, having like an entirely changed perspective on his own life, right? Yep. And the world yep. around him, even if his body was still lame, it could have become less of an issue for him because he had a greater hope now or something. Right. But then Jesus also healed him physically and he got up and walked out of there. <laughs> he sure did. So that I would think had impact on everyone who was there. Everyone who saw it. Yeah, they there's no way. It's just like the guy at the Temple Gate, beautiful, where he kept trying to get into the pools, right? The waters when they would stir, and you know the apostles walked past. They're like, "Dude, you're healed now." Yeah. You know, I don't have money to give you, but your sins are forgiven. Oh, and you're healed. And you know, he's there, been there forever, yeah. trying to get to the water. And it's the same thing when he goes into the synagogue and they see him. The impact it has on yeah. those people who see him, they're like, what are you doing in here? Dude, you're the guy who's 
busted and broken, paralyzed at the well, just outside at the, you know, why, sure. why are you in here? Why? Yeah. And he's like, because I'm healed. Yeah. Who healed who you? Who did it? These guys. I don't even, it yeah. wasn't us. It was the God who saves, you know, that, yeah. that yeah. healed him. Yeah. And you're right. It changes people's minds. And I, I can guarantee you, I think that in, on my trips to Africa, specifically Africa, it changed my team members more than the Ghanaians. Oh, oh interesting. The Ghanaians almost expected a miracle. Oh. They wanted a miracle. They had nothing else. These are people who have nothing except faith. And yeah. when my team members see these people heal. These Americans, right? Yeah. With you, yeah. Americans, Canadians, Australians, okay. New Zealanders, whatever. Uh-huh. And they see this change. It confronts their own perspective on what's possible. And you would, I, I would spend nights with them Man. just talking about things, trying to break it down, trying to let them, what they saw happen and what their brain says is possible kind of converge together in this moment of crisis because they didn't know what to think of it. Yeah. yeah. It was dramatic. Let's talk a little bit more about that and how we in the West here can maybe sure. um, adopt that after we pay a little homage to our sponsors. Um, I just want to talk about top agent referral for a second. Do you know anyone thinking about buying or selling a home in the United States? Top agent referral connects buyers and sellers in all 50 states with top agents in their area for free so they can be sure to have the very best buying or selling experience. So don't get stuck with the kid who just started or your hairdresser who sells homes on the side, yeah, right? Get, right? Get hooked up with a pro. Uh, let top agent referral find you the best agent in your market whether that's local or whether you're moving halfway across the country, yeah. right? top agent referral will connect you with someone who knows the local market that you're trying to buy or sell. All right. You'll sell your home quickly for the most money or find the new home that is the perfect for you with top agent referral. Best way to find them is go to our website here, um, therenegadeatlas.com. Go to the sponsors tab in our header bar and find top agent referral in the dropdown. And then also to make your life even that much more incredible. Yes, is to bring in some Be Shenandoah. With a, yeah. yeah, to bring in some Shenandoah Joe oh, to your cup. life, uh, a cup of Joe, <laughs> Shenandoah Joe. But, uh, Dave and Christy Fafara have run Shenandoah Joe for a long time now. Dave knows all the beans that he roasts. He's visited those uh, coffee plantations. He knows the growers. He roasts every bean by himself. You guys gotta go get some. Uh, just let him know that Top Agent Refer, or excuse me, <laughs> that <laughs> Renegade Atlas has sent right. you if you call. But go to our website. There's the link there. You can click on it. Go order some coffee beans up. It really does support us in what we're trying to do. Um, as you know, this show costs you nothing to listen to. Right. Please, please, please go give it a try and see what you think of Shenandoah Joe. Perfect. Okay. So Doc Hawk, as we wrap up this episode. How, what would you recommend or advise someone who's, you know, in our sensibility, this Western culture, um, to think about or, you know, try to open their mind up to this idea of physical healing or, you know, what God's work in the world, in our bodies and in our lives? How can we get a better idea of what that's all about? Well, I think there's several things that go into it. Number one, um, you need to try and surround yourself with people who believe that healing is possible. Mm. And that includes your healthcare providers. Okay. If they treat you as if you're broken, oh, probably right. not a good idea to partner with them. 
if they treat you right. as if you're terminal with your hmm. whatever XYZ diagnosis is, probably better to find somebody else who can at least acknowledge that nothing is 100% fatal. Uh. People have lived through... Uh, rabies, they've lived through malaria, they've lived yeah, through anything. Right. Um, okay. They've lived through diabetes and, and your body has an amazing ability to, to heal. And as we talked about in the last episode of what the idea of innate is, if they're not even willing to recognize that there is something innately put inside your body that is amazingly healing and restorative, you need to partner with that person who can believe in that. That goes true for family members, healthcare providers, uh. and then on your own. Do you believe yeah. That you're created by a holy God who made you in his image. And part of that image is wholeness. Hmm. Right. When you think about it, healing just moves you closer to who God is. And it doesn't matter if you have end stage cancer, you can experience healing in your emotions. Hmm. Um, you can experience it in your relationships. You can experience it in your relationship with God and in some ways, most importantly, your relationship with yourself. With yourself, yeah. 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 Man, that's, yeah. Okay, that's good. That's huge. So. I love that idea of shared faith. You know, it takes me back to the paralytic story again. That it was his four friends or however many that carried him in. Yeah. That, that had the faith. They did. For, at first, you know, they were the ones that their faith was powering it. Yeah. Let's say his name was Donald. Hey, Donald. <laughs> yeah. We're taking you, you believe, and your mat. Yeah. Do you believe that you can get up and, you know, just get up and walk later this afternoon? He might probably have said no. Right. But Ernie, the other guy, is yeah. like, no, I heard this dude Jesus talking, yeah. and what he said was amazing. And yeah. I know if we can just get you there, even if we have to bust open the ceiling and drop you down right in front of him, right. drop you like a mic. You know, boom, <laughs> yeah. you are going to heal. Yeah. And that's their faith. And that's the faith, that operative component that is absolutely necessary if you want to see restoration. But I'll tell you what, his friends had faith for him. Right. My wife yeah. had faith for me. Yeah. That I didn't have at times for myself. Yeah. You know, I mm. think my kids did. Wow. They did too. Yeah. It's incredible, huh? Yeah. I mean, there's, wow, that's awesome. Well, our prayer for you all then is that, that there's someone in your life or that God would put someone in your life who can carry you through these tough times, you know, and he's capable of doing it too. Like if you are on your own, that, uh, like he's big enough and strong enough and loves you enough to walk you through the hardest times, the darkest times. So with that prayer, we're going to sign off. Um, thanks for listening and we love you all.